Hi there, and welcome to the Garage Night Podcast, Retro Tech Edition. This week, we're going to be discussing the Franklin Automobile Company and their many contributions to the modern automobile. Franklin Automobile Company was officially founded in 1906 by industrialist H.H. Franklin. The brainchild of the Franklin Automobile was engineer John Wilkinson. The very first car produced by Franklin Automobile Company was actually produced in 1902 prior to the company's founding. Uh, John Wilkinson was a brilliant engineer. He believed cars didn't need to be heavy and didn't need to, uh, didn't need to weigh an, an excessive amount to perform well and handle and ride nice. Um, in fact, he believed that it was less safe for cars to be heavy than it was for them to be light. So prior to 1928, most Franklins would use wood frames to reduce weight instead of steel. The only exceptions to these were some of the early prototype cars uh, used a stamped steel frame. Um, nearly all body panels on Franklins were produced out of lightweight aluminum. And uh, in a time when steel was very inexpensive in, in the world, aluminum was much more costly to produce and manufacture. Um, all the aluminum for the cars was produced by the Walker Body Company. Uh, the earliest Franklin that was developed weighed only 1,100 pounds. Now, I urge you guys to look up the Franklin car. It's very neat looking. It doesn't look anything like the cars of the era, aside from maybe some fender-mounted headlamps. They're very neat looking. They're very different looking than your traditional Fords and Buicks and Oldsmobiles of the day with the big radiators. Um, in fact, most Franklins did not have that same look. They were very swooping, very Art Deco for the time. They didn't even have a radiator grill. And the reason they didn't have a radiator grill is because they didn't have a radiator. So um, that, that leads me to discussing the most prominent um, contribution uh, of Franklin to the modern automobile, which is air-cooled engines. So you might be thinking that air-cooled engines are unreliable. You're thinking of Volkswagens and you're thinking of, you know, your 70s Honda motorcycle that never starts. But at the time when antifreeze was not developed and cars were, were running strictly on water for cooling, you were limited by hot temperatures and by cold temperatures as to when you could drive the car. Air cooling in 1902 was something that was completely new and would allow you to drive the car in any weather. So Franklin produced the very first air-cooled automotive engine ever to be used in manufacture. Um, it, it actually was renowned for its reliability in all weathers and climates. Um, this engine, the very first one that was produced, was a four-cylinder and the very first engine with a valve-in-head design. That means the valve was actually inside of the cylinder head as opposed to adjacent to it like many of the flatheads of the era. Um, let's see, the, uh, th this engine actually uh, used aluminum cylinder heads and later, uh, later on in 1915 actually featured aluminum pistons. Um, the interesting thing about these engines, if you look up pictures or I would actually encourage you to look up a YouTuber by the name of Jonathan W. He has a few of these Franklins. Um, each engine has its own cylinder head. So the, the engine has uh, these unique cylinders that drop down over the piston and then secure to the block with four little nuts. 
and then a common rocker arm shaft that's exposed and, and non-oiled sits on top of each of the uh, of each of the air-cooled cylinder heads. Very neat, very neat uh, design and uh, very serviceable, very easy to access. If you look up some of the early four-cylinder engines, they're very neat looking. Um, so the downside of, of, the, of these single-piece cylinder heads is they're very difficult to uh, restore because you have this entire cylinder head and then your valve seats are at the very end of the cylinder head. So if you ever need to service them, lap the valves, anything like that, it can be a little tricky. Um, but and also very costly to produce. You're wasting a lot of material to create this large bore for a single component. But nonetheless, super interesting design, really creative for the year and, and the time frame. Um, another uh, interesting thing uh, that Franklin contributed to the more modern automobile was the very first carburetor float system. You know, carburetor floats are those things that if you own a Holley that you have to smack because they stick and flood. Um, floats are pretty neat. They actually control the flow of fuel into a carburetor. Um, and so in 1902, Franklin uh, developed the very first carburetor float, which, you know, that might seem like a trivial, uh, a tri trivial contribution, but when determining how to control flow of fuel and not having any frame of reference, that's actually a pretty neat way to do it. Um, in uh, 1905, uh, Franklin created the world's first six-cylinder engine, which was also air-cooled. And uh, two years later, in 1907, they introduced automatic spark advance, which, again, sounds something like very commonplace nowadays, which is all controlled by your ignition. Or if you own a 70s vehicle or a 60s vehicle, you might have mechanical, uh, you know, might have some mechanical advance or a vacuum advance. But back in the day, that was all controlled, like back in the, in the early uh, teens and even earlier, that, that was controlled by a lever on your steering wheel or on your dash. So if you wanted to change your timing advance as you would accelerate, you would, you would change the position of this lever to increase or decrease your advance. So this, to have automatic uh, spark advance, that's actually pretty creative and, and very uh, modern, especially for 1907. So uh, a year following that, in 1908, Franklin created what, what is now what we call a hemi. It's the hemispherical combustion chamber, and that gives more surface area for uh, gas to push down on, this, on, the, on, the, um, on the piston and, and generally leads to better performance. Um, and, and in 1908, Franklin pioneered that design. So what, what you now hear, uh, you got a hemi in, under that or the, the, you know, the, the Dodge thing that they did for a while uh, in the, in, when they reintroduced the hemi engine. That thing got a hemi. You can thank Franklin for that. Um, in 1912, uh, Franklin introduced the very first recirculating and pressurized oil feed system for an automotive engine. Now, that seems very trivial. Like, aren't all cars, don't they all have oil pressure? Well, back in the teens, and if you have a, a 1950 Chevy, um, you, you didn't have a pressurized oil system. Um, and, and so they didn't use an actual oil pump to pressurize and, and bring oil into the, into, the, um, into the main bearings and lubricate the piston rings and all that. They would use um, either a, a scooper system where they would uh, scoop uh, oil and splash it onto those components. Or what was more common in the, in the early days, in the, in the early teens, uh, uh, they would use um, 
like a, a reservoir tank, kind of like the old motorcycles of the era, and this was what was called the total loss system. So you would basically dump oil onto these parts, and, and the oil would either burn or, or be evacuated from the part, and then you're, you're out of oil, basically. So you had to constantly fill your oil tank. Well, in 1912, Franklin produced both a recirculating system and a pressurized system, which is pretty neat, uh, especially for the day. Uh, and that's what all modern automobiles use. They still use pressurized oil systems, all mechanical, nothing, uh, nothing, uh, you know, nothing fancy about them uh, that, is, that has been developed beyond this point. Um, in 1913, Franklin uh, started using exhaust gases to heat air in, uh, coming into the intake for, for better uh, starting and uh, to improve cold starts. Um, that same year, they introduced the world's first fully enclosed sedan. So that's pretty interesting. Had roof, windows, and all that good stuff. Um, and uh, in the same year, 1913, they used one of their 1911 Franklin cars to achieve a world fuel economy record of 83.5 miles per gallon. Now, I don't know the exact specifics of this number and how it was calculated, but I do know that back in the day, you'd see a lot of these cars coming up with record uh, MPG ratings that we have not seen since. And so that's pretty impressive. And I think a lot of that is attributed to their lightweight and some of their advanced carburetor and engine design. Um, by 1917, they began using an electric primer for their carburetor, and this would help inject fuel on cold mornings. So you went out to go start your car, you can press a little button on the dash and it would prime the carburetor for you for a faster startup. In 1922, Franklin began using aluminum connecting rods in their engines to reduce rotating mass. Uh, this was pretty creative back in the day, and still a lot of car manufacturers don't use aluminum in their connecting rods uh, today. So pretty interesting for the time. Uh, in 1925, Franklin uh, actually changed their distinctive styling and swooping front end to a more commonplace kind of flat front end with a radiator grill similar to the Fords, Buicks, and Oldsmobile of the era. And this was usually, this was due to uh, dealers urging them to, to change their design and make it more commonplace and more attractive to buyers because buyers kind of got an idea of what a car should look like and Franklin's didn't really fit that bill. So um, the, the marketing department in Franklin decided that it was, it was time to change that. Um, so by doing this, they added a fake radiator grill to the front end, keeping the air-cooled engine. Um, in 1930, they developed a 100-horsepower engine, and combined with their lightweight chassis, this was one of the best power-to-weight ratios recorded for the time. Uh, two years later, uh, Franklin produced an air-cooled 398-cubic-inch 12-cylinder engine with 150 horsepower. Super impressive, especially for 1932. Uh, two years later, though, uh, this engine and the car that it was put into kind of led, coupled with the Great Depression, led to this, uh, led to the Franklin Motor Car um, being defunct by 1934. Um, something that's kind of interesting is uh, the remaining engines were, were retrofitted to be used in aircrafts in World War II. And later, uh, the, car, uh, the, the plant and the company were bought by uh, Preston Tucker in 1948. So the famous Tucker automobile uh, used the flat six-cylinder air-cooled engine from Franklin, uh, retrofitted them with water cooling jackets, and then repurposed them to power the Tucker automobile. Um, Pretty interesting history with Franklin. Uh, I really uh, appreciate the resources online that you can check these cars out. 
Um, and I definitely give uh, Jonathan W on YouTube a look. He's got some pretty interesting videos on his cars. And you can see him firsthand. You can watch him resurrect them, get them running. Pretty neat stuff. Um, be sure to check out our regular scheduled podcast on Thursdays and all of the other Tiny Dog podcasts. And I look forward to talking with you guys next week. Thank you. Hi, y'all. This is Jeff, and I wanted to issue a quick correction on the Franklin story. The cylinder heads on these cars were not aluminum. They were, in fact, a chrome nickel iron. So apologize for any confusion that might have caused. I wish you guys a great day. Thank you.